0: Welcome to Behavior Babes podcast presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha today. Joining me, we have returning uh, Bethany Patterson. Hi, Bethany. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay, all things considered. How about yourself?
1: Um, So I am in Virginia, uh, Hampton Roads, and... uh. Currently, things are starting to get back to normal, but we will see. <laughs> um, you know, the COVID numbers are starting to decline, so that's good. But, um, you know, family members of military as well as um, ABA practitioners to our military are still uh, having some difficulties um, in three different areas, mostly is um, the PCS Uh, getting services, and, of course, um, getting into seeing the doctors here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Face to face has been challenging, and I know that there are some specific things that seem to be barriers for our military families at this time. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your background and who you are in case people didn't check you out on that earlier episode just yet?
1: Yeah, so I'm a BCBA. I'm also a mother of a sassy little two-year-old girl. And um, I'm also a military spouse and a doctoral student. Wow. Could you fit anything else in during your
0: time? <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, thank you for joining us, for coming back on the show. I really value your expertise and your involvement in these areas. And um, so can you just tell us a little bit about some of the things that have shifted or changed or the barriers that exist during COVID for families, something that... Um, other people might not be aware of yes yeah,
1: so um and of course with there are different military branches so everything's going to be different depending on the military branch as well as your location if you're international east coast can sometimes be very different than the west coast um because of insurances but also um based on command so things can be very different but here on the east coast um parents really had to overnight become not you not only still be their parents, but also become teachers, RBTs, OTs, speech pathologists, you know, PTs overnight. And one of the barriers that they had was that um, Triger was one of the last ones to approve telehealth for ABA. And then when they did approve it, it's only for parent training. So that really caused um, tons of barriers here in the Hampton Roads, especially for families that were coming in from North Carolina, um, because our licensure doesn't carry over to North Carolina. So seeing those families was really difficult for us. Um, we had to figure something out to get them here in Virginia so that we can practice. Um, some of the families also, um, you know, their whole lives are being thrown upside down with COVID, with, like all of us. And now they're getting limited support um, because schools weren't in session. Um, we can provide services, and then um, they're also away from their families. Many families here are from all over, you know, the United States. They don't have the support like they would have if they were at home. Um, so, trying to provide those supports while doing telehealth with only parent training was difficult. Um, and when we were able to get into the homes, just being able to provide them with anything that they could have, um, a lot of our families also had family members that were deployed. Um, when TRICARE then said, um, we don't know if we're going to continue with the parent training, um, with telehealth, it, it caused a lot of issues with the fact that the deployed family member was trying to figure out how that they can better serve their families. Who do they need to call so that they can get try, try to cover telehealth again. And that was really upsetting for me, especially as a military spouse that the deployed family member is now doesn't have his head in the mission. He's trying to figure out how he can get services for his um, child. And that's not okay in my eyes. Um, so we had a lot of deployed um, active duty members calling us, writing to us, trying to figure out how they can ensure that TRICARE will continue to cover telehealth services. So that was one of the major barriers we had in the beginning of COVID. Luckily, TRICARE did extend the telehealth for parent training. Um, so that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so at least they're getting services in that way.
0: Yeah, let me jump right in and ask you a couple of questions with that, with mm-hmm. telehealth um, in particular and TRICARE. So I know from experience that um, and just looking online and seeing the community of people trying to support one another, which is really fantastic to see,
1: but that's where mm-hmm. I
0: became aware of, um, you know, the difficulties, right, not just with TRICARE, but with any insurance, all insurance, with families figuring out what they're going to be doing, with schools figuring out, still figuring out, you know, what what sessions in schools can look like. When TRICARE did say that they had authorized telehealth, you mentioned it was so restrictive. It was really for that caregiver um, training code. And so what kinds of barriers or what kinds of treatment could a family expect if it was only um, that sort of, as you described it, parent training, right? It wasn't parent implementing direct therapy. It was really still considered parent training, what did that do for the service options for those clients?
1: It it really limits the service options. So I can only talk to the parent regarding ABA. I cannot provide any service to the, the actual client. Um, I can't even uh, do program modifications or have an RBT there while I'm also observing through telehealth. Um, none of that is an option. I can only Um, train the parents, that is it. So that really limits what we can do. Yeah, and it it
0: definitely seems like um, maybe there's some disconnect there, because I think when we think about, well, I think when we think about our (laughs) services and our sessions, there's a lot of parts that can involve caregivers. Certainly. And of course, if they're going to be at home, our clients during this time, there is somebody there providing care to them. We might be able to support them in that way. may not be ideal, but it's an option. But here, families and providers who are providing services through TRICARE were limited only to essentially coaching. And then you said that that was extended. Is is there a timeline on that or how long that's been extended? Do families have to continue to worry?
1: Yeah, there is an... um an end date I don't remember the exact end date but there there is an end date to that and that is going to be something that once that end date comes we might not see that again we're not sure um so i think especially when it comes to tricare and aba parents as well as practitioners always are concerned about what will be taken away um and that's just something that we're just going to have to keep fighting for when COVID hit, a lot of the active duty members that were deployed, they actually got extended. At least for those that were deployed here, they got extended um, longer, which of course can completely um, change the way that we're trying to do um, transitioning, you know, the families back together and everything like that. Then also too, because things are getting extended. Those that are going to TCS or have a permanent change of duty station, their orders got extended as well. So they ended up having to stay here longer. This messed up housing. Um, so some families already sold their homes or moved out of military housing or wherever they were living. And now their orders are extended for a little bit longer. Some of our families were living in um, B&Bs or hotels. Um, even some of our practitioners who thought that they were going to be PCSing um, had to live in B&Bs or hotels until they got their things. Housing goods, um, I have one friend right now, she's been living at our place for a month now, still doesn't have her, her goods. Um, it's, it's completely messing up how we as practitioners would transition clients to either a new location, or start the um working with parents about how they're going to get their children ready for their their uh parents to come home from deployment. It's it's been kind of a mess and trying to accommodate them um best we can uh during this time has been a little difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: having been uh, an army brat myself as a child, I know just under normal conditions what that moving can be like, um, what the disruptions can be, how um, how that almost becomes a routine if that's your life, right? You almost, mm-hmm. depending on how frequently you are uh, reassigned or that you're um, moving to different duty stations, that became routine for me. I almost expected moving every couple of years. And having been in Hawaii now for seven seems very strange. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> This is this long. Um, so that's always the unique challenge in so many ways for our, our families and for um, their, you know, their children, for everybody around them, for the practitioners, as you mentioned. But I just, I cannot imagine, and my heart goes out, adding the layer of COVID on top of this, you know, the quarantining, mm-hmm. the shift in not accessing peers, neighbors, schools, but also just not having your belongings with you. It's one of the only things giving me comfort at this time is, is, you know, I'm not saying my things, but my my comfy space,
1: (laughs) right? Exactly. And then also trying to get services during this time. So trying to transition from one location to another, where it's already hard enough to try to get services when you might only be at a location for 18 months. Sometimes you can be there a little bit longer, four years. And now, on top of that, have COVID where some ABA companies are not open right now or some clinics are still not open right now um, or some practitioners are are not working right now. So then also that layer of, well, which places are open, which aren't, where, who can fit us in, um, that's a whole nother layer on top of the deployment and trying to find services. And it adds, I think,
0: also um, additional piece, which is you end up with fewer options. And so if quality Mm -hmm. is a concern in the area where you are, you're not able to have as much flexibility with your choice of provider just because who's available, who can take somebody in, what their location is, are they working in person, and then you know, I think about families who are just going to start or whose children were just going to receive ABA services for the first time, and this is what they're experiencing. So do yes. you have any um, experiences or stories to share about how people are making that parent, you know, training and the caregiver um, support work um, or <laughs> uh, ways that people have gotten creative? Or do you see any solutions Um in addition to continued advocacy with TRICARE?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so one of the big things that, you know, I've been doing is training them as if they are going to be like one of my RBTs. Okay, this is ABA. <laughs> We're going to learn everything in ABA. And then I want you to start uh, trying to apply some of these skills within your everyday life. Um And that has been where I've seen the the greatest success. Um, Recently, um, because numbers have started to go down, we have started to go back into the homes. Um, But the families that I did do parent training with via telehealth, they saw great progress with their their children and want to continue doing telehealth that way. Um, which is great, and I love how um, how much they have seen a huge change when they started implementing these, these skills into their everyday life. So not just, you know, oh, you're doing DTT, Let me do it. Now they're doing ABA within everything that they do, and they absolutely have loved it. Um, so that is one of the great successes, I would say, with telehealth um, as far as doing that through parent training.
0: Well, and you, I think, raise up another good point for conversation, which is, of course, not every parent has the interest, the ability, or the capacity (laughs) to serve in that role. So just want to acknowledge that to any parent who's listening and saying, hey, that's not me. I can't do that. That's that's understandable. That's okay. But we're also kind of tapping into and maybe um, trying to capitalize on the fact that if you're home, if you're with them all the time, you may also have it might be a really good time to target a particular skill, right? So that's something I've worked with some families and mm-hmm. some teams on is like, maybe now is when we target toilet training because we're home. And there are other things where I have said to families and teams, we're not going to target that because that's going to evoke such uh difficult or challenging behavior and you are alone or we don't have the resources or the materials or even the people to support you in person. So Again, we're picking and choosing um, what might be most appropriate during these times. Another thing that some families have shared with me is they started doing, as you mentioned, training them like they're an RBT. Many of them have started taking the RBT course with Autism Partnership Foundation because it's free. Have you had any families that you've known go through any of the RBT, like formalized RBT training?
1: No. um, None of my families so far have gone through it, but they have mentioned that they want to, that this is something that, you know, they've really enjoyed and they, they want to continue learning with it. Um, and a, and another thing is, too, like asking the parents what they want to work on. So you're going to be home. What are what some things that you are want to target now? And, and that's where we kind of went with it as far as, you know, training them within ABA on how to, you know, change those behaviors that they they want to see. Um and it's great. I I actually completely forgot about the Autism Partnership Foundation. I should definitely tell them about that. So if you end
0: up finishing the cool. course, excellent. If you don't, then maybe what you got along the way was still really valuable. So that is a resource for any, anybody who's interested out there, and it says for free, for life, forever. You talked about having to shift some of the treatment goals, and that's going to be done, of course, with prioritization from the parents and caregivers. Have you had to update your authorizations? Have you had to make the changes? And if so, what has that process been like in your
1: region? Within TRICARE, every two years you have to do the two-year outcomes. Um, of course, you have to get those um, re-diagnoses, those re evals all of that. And it's been a little frustrating um, because, at least here in this region, they are so backlogged at the doctor's offices. Um, Not only is it becoming months out before they can even see their primary care, it's also once they do see it, the offices um, are so backlogged that the paperwork isn't getting into TRICARE on time either. Um, so it's been a lot of phone calls and um, calling, you know, the primary cares and trying to see if there's anything on our end that we can try to help out so that we can continue services. Um, and, you know, just calling Tricare, seeing if there's anything we can do, too, so that our clients aren't losing
0: any of those services you've done a really nice job throughout the conversation today of reminding us these are people's lives, these are people, these are people who are dealing with a pandemic with significant needs and possibly with with a deployment or a single um, parent household at this time, right, depending on what's going mm-hmm. on. And a lot of the unknown and unexpected is difficult for all of us, but increasingly difficult for individuals with autism or individuals who may have a more challenging time comprehending what's going on which could lead to definitely some more frustration. Now, I've also heard some parents say or caregivers say in some ways things have been a little bit lower anxiety-provoking as far as, like, they say they're not so worried about what's happening at school. You know, I'm not worried that they're not making friends. I know I know they're not because we don't have any people over. Um, <laughs> and I kind of chuckle. I'm like, so it's the certainty over the uncertainty that maybe um, people have found a way to find comfort with. Um I mean, but we don't, It part of me is, struggles to even say this, like, we don't know the long-term effects of this pandemic on things like how long will it take the doctor's, you know, backlog to get unbacklogged, and how long mm-hmm. will it take somebody, um, you know, on the insurer side to make sure all the pieces are there and authorize it, and will it get done before um, there's another, you know, change in duty station? And if not, and they start all over, how do you even measure um, and what options would there even be to recoup loss for that individual child? Exactly. Can you speak a little bit about um, your experience with advocacy and what you have found makes people's voices effective?
1: For sure. So um, I actually founded the applied the ABA practitioners impacted by military life. Um, that was more advocacy for ABA practitioners who also are either veterans themselves. Military spouses or military dependents, and really um, making a, a group that can come together to share resources and and help each other through either becoming a BCBA or or just finding jobs or or other resources such as supervision while also living this unique lifestyle. Um, with that, we have also worked hard tirelessly. Um, here in Hampton Roads to provide um, advocacy for IEPs for military families as well as um, advocating with to TRICARE for, for services or um, reform of ABA services. Um, so with that, what I've really found is when you get together and you have a voice all together, um, making it easier for family members to email TRICARE, finding the right way to get a hold of TRICARE. And then also within companies, we found that if there is one person that can also provide the resources to the parents, especially parents that just got that autism diagnosis can be very overwhelming. And then they have to figure out what EFMP is, what ECHO is, what, what all of these other things are on top of also figuring out everything they need to know as far as what a, autism is and and what their rights are um, with their insurance companies and, and through the school systems and everything. Um, so also having somebody that they can go to um, for those resources.
0: Well, you've done so very much. Definitely. (laughs) You know, there's always so much more to do, but I do like to shine a light Mm -hmm. on advocacy where I see it because when I do talks and and mention advocacy, sometimes people say, that's so exciting. That's so amazing. One day when I'm an advocate, I will dot, dot, dot. And uh, my message back to them is you're already an advocate. So you may not realize yet, but when you are saying this is the treatment plan, this is why it needs to be that, this is the density, I think, and the frequency of service are needed, that's an example of advocating, right? Pulling Mm -hmm. people together and saying, look, I know this is hard, let's use our voices together, or even having one primary contact within an agency instead of 10 people within that agency, build those relationships, right? We understand Mm -hmm. caring, shaping, reinforcement. Um, Sometimes my favorite is negative reinforcement. You want me to stop calling? (laughs) (laughs) Then tell me what I need to do to get this optimization true for this client, and I will stop calling. So um, um, I'm not above that. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, not at all. Well, so what last pieces of advice would you give to professionals as well as families who are recipients of service who are either – currently accessing services, trying to access these services, not sure how to navigate accessing these services or are in the midst of them and worried that they're going to get pulled away. I mean, there's so many things, but what would be your parting word to that?
1: You know, it's funny, but I would actually say look online and look on Facebook. Um, Join groups on Facebook. For instance, um, the ABA Practitioners Impacted by Military Lifestyle – They, so many practitioners that are impacted by the military have gone on there and asked, Hey, is this a good company to work for? What are some companies that are great that are still hiring right now? Um, Even for families, I have heard from some of the new families is that, oh, yeah, I asked on the um, EFMP Facebook group what some good ABA companies that are still have, that don't have wait lists. Um, That is a great source to try to narrow down your search. And then from there, I would um, ask around, too. I would definitely ask any sorts of pages or even go to your Autism Society um, and see what they have. ESMP case coordinators are a great other resource. Um, That's what they're there for. So definitely reach out to your case coordinator, um, as well. Fantastic. Um, and for those who don't
0: know, EFMP is so oh, exceptional family member program. Well, thank yes. you so much, Bethany, for your expertise and for your, um, excitement, your passion, and for your persistence with continuing to advocate for families and for practitioners as well. Um, really we need to kind of figure out, like, again, we don't know when this is ending, but we do know that it's, um, going to mm-hmm. continue for a bit. And rather than having this sort of survival strategy, I think now we're all trying to figure out how to exist within this weird space. And so I think it's changed even some of our directions with advocacy, right? Like, it's like, hey, we really need this for the next three months. Hey, we don't know how long we're going to need this, but here's what we need now, right? It's shifting that conversation. Exactly. So, Bethany, um, any other things that you'd like to plug or add or any way that people can get in contact with you, anything you'd like to share? I want to give you an opportunity to do that now.
1: Yes, so they can reach me at that Facebook page, um, which was ABA Practitioners Impacted by Military Life, or they can also reach me at Bethany Patterson, aba at gmail.com. Excellent.
0: And for anyone who's looking for more information on this topic or areas related to applied behavior analysis, You can always get more information by going to www.behaviorbabe.com.